0: Just a little bit about myself. Um, I I, do, I am married. I mentioned my wife, and we do have children. Uh, back in the day, you know, we, we were sure we were going to have a boy first, so we got our boy name ready, and we had to switch that. So we had our, our first girl, and that was okay, because we would certainly have our boy the second one. And we had that name ready, Andrew, and she came out, so we didn't have another name at that point. <laughs> so we just gave her the name of Drew. And then we were done, but we felt like the Lord was impressing us to go ahead and have another child. And we didn't really, we weren't real spiritual with that for the first two. But the second, the third one, you know, we we figured it has to be a boy. Why would He prompt us to have another girl? So for for nine nine months, you know, everywhere I went, I got people to agree with me and had them say boy three times. And then I found out how much faith they had when she came out. Her name's Chloe. So then we did the most practical thing we could do. We went out and bought a couple boys. They're white and fluffy, and they've been fixed, so they don't know that they're really boys. And So again, I'm pretty much by myself, you know. Hey, Amen. Hey, Amen. You know, there's, there's things, you know, that I asked. Can, can I, can I, no, you're not, you're not invited, Dad. This is a girl thing, you know. So anyhow, there's, there's, uh, there's lonely moments watching football games. And then if I want to be a part of it, I have to watch chick flicks. <laughs> so I've seen every episode of Hannah Montana back in the day, you know. And uh, But anyhow, it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's great to have our girls. And they're growing up now. It's, it's uh, wild that time just seems to fly by, doesn't it? Well, there's some things that we really want to share this morning. Before I do, I'll just make mention. I did bring some product out there. I want to explain. I always do wherever I go because the... Uh, You know, the idea could be, well, here's the minister coming in trying to sell his product. Listen, the only reason why I've got it out there is I've learned over the years that you're not everybody's cup of tea. You know, some people go, okay, what you're sharing is exactly what I need. Other people are like, ah, it was all right so for those that really enjoy what you hear and feel like there's a connection we have some material back there in case you'd like to get some more and continue to feed on that all right so that's the reason why we bring it Uh, i don't bring enough that it's going to change my life financially if we sold everything out there so and we we actually do keep the prices very low in fact we've got a a a usb right here that's got 84 hours on it we just sell it for thirty dollars so um, that's a wonderful price. And these, uh, the two USBs that we have called What is Reality, it's actually a part of our Bible study that we started about five years ago, because the Lord told me uh, six years ago to uh, go to Denver, Colorado, we we'll are probably be heading out that way this time next year, and start a work. So I wanted to find out, you know, how I would do if I saw the same people every week. Because you can imagine if you travel like I do, I was just, uh, last week I was on the other coast. I was in the Pacific there, out, out there by uh, San Diego. This week I'm here. Next week I'll be back to San Diego. So kind of going back and forth, you know, you see a lot of different people. Well, what if I saw the same people every week? You know, would they run? You know, would, they, would, I, would, I, would I kill them or would I help them, you know? So I started the Bible study and the things that we share there about reality, helping people to recognize what really is real. It's very, very, very easy to allow the world that we've all lived in to become the world that you think is the real world. But let me share this with you. Unless you're willing to turn your back on the world that you know, what chance do you have of finding the world that you don't know? Hmm? And so with those thoughts in mind, we shared some things, and we've got quite a bit of information on that. And then a, a little book right here is just a little uh, devotional. It'll just encourage your faith, called Miracles Now. It's just $5 out there. I know people like $5 items. So, All right, let's uh, have you turn over here in your Bibles to Romans, chapter 11. <clears throat> I've got a few minutes this morning just to share some things, and I want to just from the very onset here let you know. Uh, God's presence is here. Pastor made a statement and it fit perfectly into exactly what I'm coming here to do this morning and share, and that is the Holy Ghost has been waiting for us. He's been been here waiting on us to get here. And we'll share that particular concept because it's one of the greatest revelations that's in Scripture. We're going to see that in just a moment. If he is here, I'm not asking you to feel him right now. Oh, I got goosebumps. If you do, that's great. Man, I feel the weightiness and presence of God. If you do, that's great. Man, when you called out that, you know, the heart, my heart right now feels hot. Well, that would be normal. That would be normal because God's doing something with your heart. Or when you called out the asthma, my lungs feel like something's going on. Well, it should. My back feels different. Well, it should feel different. In fact, everything that we mentioned and more things that we'll mention, you should have an expectation, if that's you, to start to do something that would have been painful before because now it's not painful my wrist. My hands don't hurt anymore. Somebody grab a hand and squeeze and realize, my goodness, God just healed my hand. That's how the miraculous begins to work, with an expectation, an open heart and an open mind to the idea that there's more here than meets the eye. And if God's here and his presence is real and my heart is open, why would I consider that it could be anything but that I would receive health and strength this morning? I'd feel better. Amen? It's very interesting even how we treat some of the drugs that we take. Somebody will have the beginnings of a headache and they'll take, you know, some ibuprofen or some type of Advil, and they'll actually start on their way to their work with that same headache. Having confidence that somewhere between when you start up and get in your car and you get to work, that that 15, 20 minutes of time that you have before you get there, that headache is going to be dulled by the medicine you just took so in one sense you could say you're acting in faith according to what that medicine is going to do but when it comes to God we sit there and look and say well you know I don't feel any better I guess it's not working see it's so easy to to change the parameters of how we do things when it comes to God amen for instance let me give you an idea people say all the time, you know, man, I just, I just love God with all my heart. I just want more of God in my life. I tell you, I just want to experience more of God. And then I would ask him, and so uh, have you not been? Well, it's been really rough. I just, you know, just trusting that someday I'll experience more of him. I just really want him with all my heart. Well, that sounds really good and noble, but let me ask you a question. If you wanted a new uh, jet ski, if you wanted a new dress or outfit, if you wanted a new watch, if you wanted a new power tool, if you wanted a new golf club, and you didn't know that you really had the money to do it, like a Rubik's Cube, you'd go home if you wanted it bad enough, and you'd be pushing your money around, pulling your money around, until you got all colors on all sides and said, I know how to do it. I can make it work. See, in this world, we'll do whatever we have to to make something work that we really want. So then with God, the thought would be, if we really want him, how bad do we really want him? Because if we moved heaven and earth, we'd have him. Kind of difficult to not find somebody that's everywhere. If you're looking, right? If you're looking. So these are some thoughts that will help go along with what we're doing this morning. Amen. Just trying trying to move you a little bit. You know, my my ministry, you know, it's not necessarily real popular. People may not like me, but it's okay. I grew up in upstate New York. We had plenty of snowstorms up there by Buffalo. My dad taught me, you know, right when I was just starting to learn to drive, he took me over to the school, real big parking lot, and he said, now go ahead and get stuck. I said, what? He said, go ahead and get stuck. He said, run right into that bank. And I'd run the car right into a snow bank. He said, now get out. And you learn right away, you can't just do like the people in Tulsa. The moment they get in two inches of snow, that's like, Voo, you know? no, no, you can't put that much gas on. You got to just lightly go forward and even with just the, you know, just lightly go backwards, forwards, backwards, forwards. Now you got a little momentum, give it a little more gas. There you go, you got out of your, your rut. So whether you like me, don't like me, like me, don't like me, we're going to get out of your rut. (laughs) Amen. Romans chapter 11, praise the Lord. I know that blessed you. Okay, it says down here in verse 36, the last verse of the chapter, it says, for of him and through him and to him are all things, notice the word all things, all things, somebody say all things to whom be glory forever, amen. Now I just described to you in that verse how God, how God works with himself. For instance, and we'll get to this verse in just a little bit here, but we'll take a couple minutes to get there. Over in Genesis chapter one, verse one. In the beginning, who? God did what? Created the heavens and the earth. So when you see it say that God created, that's not God the Father. That's not just God, God the Son or God the Holy Ghost. That's all three. Nothing ever happens from the Godhead in creation without all three being involved. Jesus has never created anything, Holy Ghost has never created anything, and God the Father has never created anything. Everything that is, that is, all things, come through three of them. And if you look at this verse, I know it's a little tacky, but still it works, Uh, there's three hymns in there, of him, through him, and to him. And that actually is a, is a definition of how God does what he does. There's an of him personality. There's a through him personality. And there's a to him personality. And so I like to look at it almost like a circle. It starts at the top. Of him. And of him would seem to indicate what? seem to indicate the master plan, the master mind. If it was a corporation, it would be, it would be what? It would be the CEO of the corporation. Of him and through him. So in other words, the thought, the plan, the idea has to do what? Be implemented. If it's going to be implemented, it's got to go through somebody to what? To the product sale. So of him and through him and then back to him is where things are made. In other words, the idea becomes the reality. But it has to be worked with all three. Somebody has the idea, somebody has to implement it, and then somebody has to actually make it, produce it. And we just shared with you how God does what he does. Very simple, but really very good. So if you look in your Bibles over closely, here to 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 6. Again, I know it's a play on words, but it works here this morning for what we're doing. And it kind of gets your mind in the right, right place to see where we're going. But it says right here, Yet for us there is one God, the Father of whom are all things. So notice what the scriptures declare about that verse that we, we first went to in Romans chapter 11. Of him, through him, and to him are all things. Well, who does it say that of him is? The Father of, him, of whom are all things, and we for him. So who's the first personality of God? Of him. It's the Father. He has what? The plan. In fact, didn't Jesus say multiple times? Didn't he say, I don't do anything unless my father shows me i don't say anything unless i hear what my father says he said i didn't come to do my own will but the will of my father in fact even when individuals saw the results of what jesus did they said man this is amazing he said well it's my father he did it he put everything back to the father so even though we have a relationship through christ the whole goal is the relationship with christ to get to the father right Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I am life. And no man comes unto the Father but through me. So everything about every plan, everything about the genius of God comes from the Father. So he has the blueprint. But that blueprint has to be what? It has to be initiated. And so you go on further in this verse here in 1 Corinthians 8 and 6, and it says, And one Lord Jesus Christ, and there it is right there, through whom are all things and through whom we live. Kind of interesting, isn't it? And it fits right in this little package of him, through him, and to him. So the of him personality is the Father. The through him personality is the Son. And didn't Jesus come to do what? He came to declare. John chapter 1, verse, 12, verse 18. He came to declare, reveal, make plain the Father. That scripture says, No man has seen the Father, but Jesus came to do what? Reveal what he looks like. So you could say very easily, if you were struggling with the will of God, go to the ministry and life of Jesus, and whatever he did, whatever he said, that's the will of God. Why? He didn't do anything unless he was connected to the Father. So, in our lives, to what degree of success are we going to have if we go our own way? And the degree of success you'll have will be upon your ability and your ability only. But if you're conscious of God's way or God's will in your life, what is God leading me to do? What is God's word giving me the the precedent to believe for him? If you stay connected to the way that God sees it, guess what? You're going to be in a really good place to receive glorious help the anointing, the presence of God that will cause you to be able to go well and beyond your ability over into all things are possible to him that believes. Amen? So we can either live a life based on your ability and based on your genius or live a life based on his ability. Amen? And this is the beauty about being saved is that the moment you come in contact with Jesus, he levels the playing field. He brings up that which is low. He brings down that which is high. And everybody starts on a level playing field where, my goodness, it's not about, well, how long have you been in the ministry? Somebody look at a minister and say, well, you've been in the ministry for 30 years. I've been in the ministry for 30 years. Well, see, you've got an advantage. And I would actually, to the contrary, say, no, I don't have an advantage. Actually, I'm the one with the disadvantage. And you say, how come? All right, let's say it like this. If I've only gotten this far, but I've been at it for 30 years, what does it say that maybe I haven't been going in the right direction as much as I should be? I've been saved for 51 years. So what's the possibility that I've read more, prayed more, studied more, gone harder after it for the last 30 years of my life in ministry and been saved for 51 years. And if I'm only here, you would think I would be way over here. So what's holding you back? Religion, tradition, the ideas of man, wrong interpretations of scriptures that would keep me from having God become so real. Instead, I've got more of a concept of God. Because anyone knows this, the more real God is, the more answers to prayer you'll have. So, then someone says, well, then how is it more advantage to me? If you haven't done as much study as I have, if you haven't spent as much time as I have, if you haven't done as much praying as I have, and you're where you are, then most likely you don't have as much to erase to get to a place where you can. Amen. Amen. I don't know if that blessed you or not, but if if it, if it were me, that would have helped me. I'm over in Luke chapter three and verse twenty-three for a second, and I just want to share this real quickly here for a few moments, because I want to get to some of these thoughts. It said right here that Jesus began his ministry at about thirty years of age. Well, why do he wait until he was thirty years old? I think the answer is found in verse 21 and 22. It says, When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was open, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came out from heaven and said, uh, You are my beloved Son, and you am well pleased. Well, in other words, look at what it says here. Jesus waited until the third person of the Trinity was upon his life before he began his ministry. Of him, through him, and to him. You know, Elijah went up in a whirlwind of fire in a chariot. And that mantle, which was just a piece of clothing, animal skin, that represented in that day that he was a prophet and the Spirit of God was upon him. That mantle fell to the ground. And Elisha went over and grabbed it. Now, the interesting thing, when he grabbed it, he didn't go, Holy smokes, that thing's full of electricity. Woo! Gave me a shock. He didn't say that. He just grabbed it. didn't feel like anything but another piece of clothing. Until he went over to the Jordan River. And what did he do? He said, where is the God of Elijah? And he smote the river. And when he did, that river went... Whoosh. And then at that moment, don't you think his eyes got real big and thought, whoo, he's in there. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, he's in there. So when you put that on, you know he now is upon you in the same way that he was upon Elijah. Which means... It's loaded, right? Yeah. I remember the first time, Brother Hagin, in one of the real big meetings that's back in the heyday at camp meeting where there'd be 20,000 people registered, 10,000 people fill the auditorium, and we're singing, uh, singing in the Raymond Singers and band, and we're worshiping God with him, and, and uh, he turned to me, and he said, well, put out your hands. I've got a whole story I could tell you about it, but he put his hands in my hands, and he said, now take this to the people. When he said this, I felt something go in my hands, out of his hands. And then he looked at me and he said, now, use the name of Jesus. And then he got close to make sure you use the name of Jesus. I thought, holy smokes, I read your book. I've been through your school. What am I going to do, say the name of Ted? You know what I mean? I mean, I know to use the name of Jesus. I'm in front of 10,000 people, so it kind of embarrassed me. But I didn't know what to do with my hands. I was still baptized cost I had converted all the way over so it's my first experience with this stuff that's in my hands so I didn't know what to do Did you put your hands in your pocket would that be disrespectful to what just went in you know what do you do so I just held them out like a platter and walked all, <laughs> <clears throat> walked all the way down to where the stairs were started walking toward the people when I got toward down to the stairs all of a sudden what was in my hands began to beat like a heartbeat <laughs> and that really freaked me out (laughs) the closer I got to the people it started coming out of my hands and started going up all over my arms now I've got this presence all over me and remember he said in the name of Jesus twice so that kind of fired me up a little bit and I used that name double on that first person in the name of and I didn't even touch them BAM they went over Wow. I mean I stepped back and all I could think of was Seriously, at that moment, I thought, holy smokes, these babies are loaded. (laughs) And what kind of confidence did that give you? Oh, man, tremendous confidence. I started in Jesus, and they're just falling one after the other. Why? Because the more conscious you are of him, the more confidence you have, and the manner in which you do what you do is in a manner of which will work. I sure hope this works. I just don't know where he is. I sure hope he's on time. Hmm? I got to this one lady, I went to lay hands on her, and it wasn't just a pistol. It was a shotgun. It came out of my elbows. It didn't come out of my hand, and it went poof. Not only did she go down, the ushers went down with her. And I stopped for a moment, stepped back, and I said, give me that again, that was awesome. Because the more real he is, the more effective you're going to be with anything. Think about it, if somebody asks you for a $5 bill and you know you have one, you just don't know where it is. You say, well, I, I just need to look for it a little bit. Man, it's not no, I don't have it here, but I know I have one. Let me look, let me look. Well, you're not helping them while you're looking. What happens if you can't find it? Or what happens if they ask you for a five and you don't have either of a five? You got to say what? Oh, I can't help you. I wish I could. But what if you got 500 and they ask you for five? You say, you sure that five's all you need? You need a 20? Here, take a 20. It's not going to hurt me at all. Take a 20. That'll bless you. You'll have 15 more than you need. How would you give that if you know you have it? In a manner in which what? In which it would actually be released real easy. That's how the Holy Ghost works. So Jesus had to do what? He had to be confident that he had something before he started his ministry. Now guess what happens to him next? He's just had his ordination service. He thinks he's going down to the Jordan Cafe with his relatives to have a few cappuccinos. And God diverts him and says, no, follow me. And he follows him. Where am I going? You're going into the wilderness. You got any food there? No, actually, you're going to be hungry for about 40 days. Why? Because every step where you could make a choice for what is of the flesh, that you make a choice for what is of the spirit, causes what you have to become usable. It's one thing to say, you know, I've got a pistol, but if you don't have any bullets in it, don't work. It's one thing to go buy something that has the wrapper on it, but it takes forever to get it off before you can use it. Jesus was filled with the Spirit, but as far as using that presence, it came, notice, he came out of the presence of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit, which means he's very conscious of it, he's very aware of it, and he's able to release it now. Why? Because every step you make toward the Spirit is a step where you stir up that life that you have. So look at the progression of Jesus beginning to work with whom? the Holy Spirit. Now I want, to, want you to turn over and show you how this works over to Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to look at verse 2. We probably won't do much more than to just say a couple of words about this and then minister to a few folks. Who in here has had the problem with the heart? Did that register with somebody that was in here? Had a problem with the heart. You've been, actually there's a, a little bit of nervousness in you or fear wondering what it might be. Anybody here? You, sir? Well, isn't it wonderful to know from this point on you won't have any more of those palpitations, you won't have to worry about it, and you won't have to have any fear as to what your outcome is. Amen. And I could thump you in the heart to make that just be that much more special, but you've got it right now. Amen. Amen. So you've got a long life. Praise the Lord. Anybody uh, register to you as far as asthma? Lungs? Tightness of breath. Got a, light, a lot of light on here so I can see the whites of your eyes. <laughs> huh? As far as asthma. Now, I've done this for so long, people come up to you up after the service and go, well, that was me. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm New Yorker, you know, so we're, we're kind of just in people's faces. I've said many a times, so you let me stand up there and look like an idiot? and now you want me to like you so much I'm going to pray for you? And then they get all nervous and say, well, I do love you enough, I'll pray for you. But if that's you with asthma, you might as well get healed unless you like it. (laughs) If it's your friend, that's okay. Come on, I know I didn't miss it. Someone here is having problems with the lungs, tightness. Asthmatic difficulties. Look over here in Genesis chapter 1. And verse 1, you know, we've already read that. In the beginning, God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost created. Now, this is really interesting. Verse 2, God does what? He gives us um, a mention of one of the divine personalities. Now, I've always thought what that would mean is it would be Father, Son, Holy Ghost. But isn't it interesting? He mentions the Holy Ghost first. Doesn't that cause anybody to just kind of get your thought process going? Why would he mention the Holy Ghost first? Well, this is so beautiful because Jesus said before he left, he said, it's to your advantage that I go, that I would send the Holy Ghost. So who's he going to leave us here with? The Holy Ghost. And God wants us to know from the very beginning of how things work with him that the person you need to be familiar with is the Holy Ghost. Why? Because without this verse right here, there wouldn't have been any creation anyhow. And look what this verse tells us. It says, the earth was without form and without void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. Well, you may have something right now that's without form and without void, and there may be darkness in your life. Well, it's the Holy Ghost that's going to do something. And notice what he's doing right here. It says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So it doesn't just mention him, it also shows you what he was doing. What was he doing? He was hovering. The word hover means to brood. The word brood means to incubate. And so in other words, incubation, you understand that. A a hen hovers or broods over the eggs to do what? To hatch them. And what does that hen provide? Warmth, heat, life. So what's the Holy Ghost been doing while I'm preaching? Hovering. Hovering, providing warmth, heat, and light. Now, let me help you with this because we've got a lot of squirrely thoughts out there. And I realize, you know, some people, you know, run with some of these thoughts forever. But folks, you know, say right in the middle of getting nowhere, they'll say, well, I believe I receive my healing. I'm just waiting on the manifestation. Well, you can't find that in the Bible. Somebody made that up because they were, <laughs> they were too proud to admit that they just didn't believe anything at all. Because notice if that were correct, what you're saying, my belief is right. I'm just waiting on the Holy Ghost. Pastor said it here this morning. He's been waiting on us. And look at what this scripture does. Is verse 2 before verse 3? Well, I asked a stupid question, but of course it is. What's in verse 3? Jesus stepped forward to say, light be. And what happened? He believed he received, but he was waiting on the manifestation. Took him two eons to get there. No, glory to God. He said, light being, boom, light was. Why? Because somebody that makes it happen was there before the somebody that initiates ever said anything or did anything. This is the beauty of healing. Well, I'm waiting to feel better before I I do anything. Well, glory, that's really going to take a lot of faith for that. We'll give you a badge and a star. Feel better, so now I know I'm healed. Well, anybody can do that. You don't need God for that. Come on. Ever look over the scriptures that said, you run while you're weary, you walk while you're faint? Huh? You wait upon the Lord to renew your strength? I'll run and not be weary, I'll walk and not faint? What's he saying? While I'm faint, I'm walking. Why? Because the faintness will leave. Because one or two things is going to happen when, you're fa- when you feel faint. If you're walking, you're going to faint. Or it will leave. I'll run and not be weary. So one or two things is going to happen when you run. You're going to be weary and have to stop. Or it's going to leave you and you keep going. Because anybody can lie down, put your legs up, and wait till the faint leaves for you to say, now I can walk. If you're waiting upon God, you're expecting upon God. And your expectation upon God means you're actually including somebody else into your life so you can experience something you can't on your own. This is the reason why we did all kinds of crazy things in healing school because we found some of this out and we decided not to wait I remember one lady came in and she was all twisted up she walked in like this to healing school and it was 4.15 I just happened to be there just because we were with some ushers talking about some football games we were done at like 3.35 she walked in and said are you the healing school instructor I said yes ma'am she said this is healing school right? I said yes it is she said oh so good would you pray for me Looked at my watch and I said, "It's four fifteen. Healing school has been over for at least forty minutes." I said, "You come back tomorrow. We'll pray for you." She said, "You're not going to pray for me?" I said, "Well, did you know healing school started at two She said, "Yes." I said, "Then what took you so long?" She said, "You're really not going to pray for me?" And started crying. I said, "Well, I'll pray for you on one condition." She said, what's the condition? I said, you have to be healed. She said, well, that's why I came. I said, good. I'm going to pray for you. You're going to run around the room. She said, well, I mean, I mean I'll mean, i be healed. And I said, that's the condition. You have to be healed. I'm going to pray for you, and you're going to run around the room. She said, well, you know what I mean. I mean, I'll be healed. And I looked at her and said, not only are you late, but you're messing this whole thing up. <laughs> I said, can you get your brain in neutral? Now, that's the funnest thing in the world to tell somebody, because She's like, I think so. <laughs> and I said, are you there? She said, I think. I'm almost there. And then she finally said, I think I'm there. I said, good. And I walked over to her and I went like this, in Jesus' name. Because that's, that's your prayer? I said, at 4.15, that's all that's left. <laughs> and then I grabbed her hand, and I took off running. And I literally dragged her halfway around the room. She was screaming bloody murder screaming, afraid, hurting, whatever. I just started running halfway around the room. The power of God hit her. She straightened up. I watched her back. go oh, crack, 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 <sighs> took off, and outran me to the, to the, to the, where we started <laughs> completely. Healed. What were you banking on? I put all my trust in the fact that somebody had been there before I got there, oh, that somebody was waiting on somebody to move that person into a place of faith. So that's pretty bold. Well, the more you know him, the bolder you can be. And the bolder you are, the more you'll see. Hallelujah. I don't know if some of you are thinking, shoot, don't drag me around this (laughs) room. Well, we're kind of out of time right now, so you're saved by the bell. We got another service in just a little bit. And if you want to, you can slip back in. And be ministered to at the end of this next service. Put your hand right now. If you've got a pain, if you've got some type of disease in your body, put your hand right where that pain or that disease is. That stuff's going to come out of you. God's doing business here this morning. We're not just, we're not just praying prayers. Things are going to take place. Things are going to happen. All right? So go ahead. If you've got problems with your knees, you've got a problem with your back, you've got some type of difficulty or disease in your body, you put your hand where that is. Father, I thank you right now that the wonderful presence of the Holy Spirit is in this room, and he's here to do something amazing. He's been warming these people up, whether they know it or not, just like in the book of Acts. He sat upon them with cloven tongues as a fire. He's been sitting on these folks, moving on them, doing things in them, so that right here, right now, as we pray, tangible results take place. So I command the pains to come out, the disease to die, the sickness to leave, glory to God, hearing to come back as it ought to, ringing in the ear to stop, sight. To be clear in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that infection is gone. I thank you, Father, God, that disease of all kind withers and dies in this room. In your wonderful name. And it's not, Lord God, just how we pray. It's what we pray. It comes out of our heart. And there's a connection with this wonderful presence called the Holy Spirit. And in Jesus' name, amen. Lift your hands as pastor comes. Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing this morning. And Lord God, I ask that you take the truth that we've spoken and cause it to be so embedded in the hearts of these people that they look for an opportunity to run when they can't, to move when they shouldn't, to to be well when it wouldn't be advised by a doctor. I thank you, Lord, that they're bold, that they're confident, and that healings have taken place in this room. Jesus' name. Amen.